Hello again, it's me, Sean from Drown and Sound. Welcome to the latest episode of our podcast. Thank you for sticking around if you've listened to the previous episodes. If you've not, welcome, welcome. Today's conversation is taking place on International Women's Day 2023. It's currently snowing outside my window in March, which is not normal for the UK, but not abnormal. Um, this is not going to be a conversation about climate change, but this is a conversation about change. And actually, I was thinking in a lazy metaphor kind of way, I've just been reading a blizzard of data and information about inequality in the music industry today, but for year, the past few years, really, there is a lot of information about the lack of diversity and inclusion. Um, last week, there was a huge debate around Glastonbury not having any female headliners, not just because it was rumoured Taylor Swift was going to headline and people were hoping Rihanna was going to be announced and people, I guess, a bit confused that uh, Lizzo was going to be playing second fiddle uh, or second flute to Guns N' Roses. But because Emily Evis talked about a pipeline problem in the industry and that's why it's not as easy to find women's headline major events. And as someone that's worked in music for over 20 years now, who has worked with a lot of women, people like Martha Wainwright, who are kind of made my career on the back of um, her success by releasing her debut album on the Drowning Sound label and working with artists more recently like Charlotte Church and the Anchoress and the recent release we just put out by the Fofo. I've been very lucky to work with some women who have educated me on what it's like to exist in an industry which is rife with misogyny, which doesn't always have the safest of spaces. I think that there's a lot that needs to change and I thought I would speak to one of the people who not only is pushing for that change and is one of the go-to spokespeople who spoke about this pipeline issue on Newsnight, Women's Hour with The Guardian and various other places over the last few days, but also for the last few years has been putting out a lot of the data which has really helped make sense of the problem of basically male supremacy I think is possibly the, the the correct term to be using which doesn't get used very often CEOs through to what's played on the radio on some stations through to festival lineups through like every kind of element in the industry from studios marketing everything lacking in diversity in many areas and especially in gender diversity. And my guest, Vic Bain, is just brilliant. She does this research. She's studying a PhD. She runs a site called The F List, which has a database, which if anyone is saying they can't find any women to book, there's over 6,000 on there. So there's not really an excuse when you're booking support acts or and you say you can't find find any women. That's, that's a disingenuous comment. As well as being the founder of The F List, Vic Bain is also the president of ISM, which is the Independent Society of Musicians. And as you'll hear across this conversation, she has got the stats to back up the problem and she's got some clues of what some of the solutions could be to making our industry a better place to be someone who's not a man. This is not going to be the last time we cover a topic that's this big and so important for the industry. I should mention that there is some mention of sexual assault very briefly 
and not graphically in this episode, um, just so it doesn't take anyone by surprise. And yeah, so it's not not going to be a big element of the conversation, but it's just something we touched upon at one point. Let's get into it. There's been decades of inequality in the music industry. What was your origin story for starting the F-List? Well, it came out of my report I published at the end of 2019, Counting the Music Industry. And I guess that came out of my experience of being chief executive of the Ivan Novello Awards, or the organisation, um, the British Academy of Songwriters Composers that ran the Ivan Novello Awards. And while I was there, I had done a 60-year analysis of winners and realised that only 6%, that's zero six, wow. of, of those awards over the 60 years had gone to women. And I was wow. I was so shocked. I was like, how can I and be, you know, running this organization that's so yeah, that's just, you know, so not welcoming of women. And that's an award that that's basically celebrates songwriting. And I'm sure going through the history of songwriting, there are some incredible women who never got rewarded or awarded, however the correct term is. Yeah. So was that the thing that was kind of shocking about it? Yes, that women had been so excluded from being honoured in in that way. And, you know, looking through decade by decade and realising that in the 1960s, uh, out of 135 awards, only one for a co-write had gone to a woman in the whole of the 1960s. And I think the shocking thing is that nobody had noticed or cared Mm-hmm. And even getting into the 2010s, so I did this research in 2016, it hadn't gone up by very much, even, you know, even with Adele and, you know, women women like her. So really, I was very interested in why and why we saw so few women winning awards, because in... Um, academic terms, it's, you know, this, this vertical hierarchy with all white men at the, at, at the top. And my awards team and the board of directors were just like, well, it's the publisher's fault. It's the publishers. What can we do? You know, it's who they represent and it's up to them to nominate and submit works by women. So I really had wanted to look at um, publishing company rosters for a long time, but I knew it was going to be such a big piece of work. I didn't have time to do that until until I left. So I spent 2019 analyzing the rosters of over 100 music publishing companies and over 200 record labels to you know to find the statistic that only 14% of music publishing rosters were women 20% of artists so that i think i think that shocked the music industry you know i think i think i think instinctively women in music kind of knew right. to our experiences but to see you know to see those statistics actually, you know, in on paper or, or on a computer screen, I think was, you know, really quite uh, alarming for a lot of people. But out of the, all of that research and data, I realized, oh, goodness, I've actually got a few thousand names of women who are signed, you know, by labels or publishing companies. And what if I just make that list public? It's like a roster wow. of rosters, 
And so yeah. all of these festival promoters who were saying, we can't find any women, <laughs> I just, mm. they could just go look at that. So that's what, you know, initially why I published the Google spreadsheet. And it really, it just sort of caught people's um, imaginations. Because knowledge is power. And I think without people knowing the scale of a problem, how can they even begin to address it? Um, it seemed odd that you were left to find this statistic on your own that publishers weren't looking at their own rosters and or I mean the statistic around music production is the one that always gets me it's two percent of people that work in studios are women which I think I've had a very warped view of that having worked with a lot of women that work in studios and working with people like Flood who brought through Catherine Marks and like there's always women working in the Maloko studios and they've been really great at kind of bringing more inclusion into the studio space what what do you think it is that meant that the industry wasn't looking at these numbers is it just because for every madonna and lizzo having huge successes there's no real sense of self-reflection of whereabouts we actually are as an industry yeah people don't look at their own data it, you know it just seemed like it had never occurred to anyone to look at the rosters to, you know, to, oh. it it was such a surprise i mean you know i was speaking to one publisher and she said oh you've been spying on us and i'm like this is publicly available information it you know your rosters on your websites your company websites it's the shop window it's you know it's your proudly proclaiming who it is you are investing in and who you think is um, is worth inv investing in. So, yeah, I think people really didn't like it. And actually, uh, I had got my initial list of all of the publishing companies from the Music Publishers Association website because for as long as I could remember, that's what they did. They published a list of their members for at least 15 years. And then I noticed the year after I'd published my report that had gone. So they don't publish <laughs> their, their 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 members anymore. But I've got I've still obviously wow. got that got that list from from my research. So I'm going to do it again next year. You see. Yeah. So you're doing a PhD at the moment. Can you tell me a bit more about what your PhD is and what what findings maybe you could share so far? So I'm looking at women's careers in music. I'm in my fourth year part-time so but I'm thinking about doing um doing my last my last year full-time to really you know because I, I kind of feel like it's quite urgent uh this this work so the findings are really interesting I'm most of the way through my interview data data collection now I've spoken to nearly 40 women I think I'm going to speak to about 50 women in in different career stages, but I would say that at least half of them have been very successful. You know, either they've performed or written number one songs, or you know, won various awards in different 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 genres of music. And women in the business side as well, who are, um, you know, CEOs or very very senior ex executives. And it's fascinating because. What I hear from people in the industry are things like, well, women, you know, women aren't as successful or they're not, you know, participating as much because then 
they're not as good at music as men. They don't, uh -huh. they're not as ambitious. They don't participate in education as much. They don't like playing guitars. They don't like playing in bands with each other. They don't like music technology. They, you know, this whole list of let's blame the women. And that's what I get told a lot. And yet what's coming out of my interviews are, you know, it's quite shocking. Uh -huh. To be to be honest, and you know, and I've had my own experiences in in music. I think every every woman has. But when you're when you're speaking after woman after woman after woman after woman, who you know, all of these women who've been successful um, to some degree or other, and yet what they've had to put up with to survive in music is quite astonishing. So for me, it's been a real emotional roller coaster just kind of, you know having to hold that 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 space um and you know and be and be in wonder actually at you know just how how tough and resilient these you know some of these these women have been because there's a there's an awful lot of sexual harassment and discrimination to varying degrees every everything from a you know a touch an inappropriate touch or an inappropriate comment to rape. And I've heard everything in, bet in between. And a lot of financial discrimination. We um, don't have any transparency whatsoever on um, for musicians because they are self-employed. So there's no you know pay gap reporting when it comes oh. to... Uh, record labels or, or music publishing companies, but uh, you know I've heard of women who they're playing they're playing in bands, successful bands, and they receive less money than than the guys in the same band. They receive you know they're on a poorer record deal. They don't get royalties, or they have their royalties taken away. The you know the or the splits will be. Um, detrimental to them you know no matter how hard they n negotiate so these sort of two key areas this sexual discrimination and, and financial discrimination are the you know the two things which are coming coming through in almost every interview and I have to say in all of the interviews are totally confidential so I will never uh -huh. on my deathbed say any of the names um but you know, I think what what's important is that these women want to tell their story to somebody. I think the thing that I mean, a lot of what you just said was really shocking, and must be quite hard to process as someone doing research with people being that open. Possibly with the first time they've talked about some of these topics, I imagine too. Um, I've worked with a lot of women in the music industry since. I mean, I started my record label back in 2003 and I signed Martha Wainwright and I worked with Bat for Ashes and Emmy the Great and we put on lots of shows with different women and I, I now manage the Anchoress, um, who I know you've worked with on the Help Musicians um, Inclusion in Studios projects um, and I work with Charlotte Church, she's told me some stories. And I think that what you said about women not being as ambitious or not being as um creative or interested in technology or all of those things are i mean i remember having some conversation with emily haynes from metric who i worked with and emily just constantly had 
a lot of ambitions that were not unrealistic for things that her peers were doing and things that an artist at their level were were doing. And I don't know, I just remember like hearing other things in the industry. Like you you spoke on Newsnight the other night about we've already signed a woman. I've had that said to me in a meeting by a major label person at NANR um, who invited me in because they like the artist. And and so none of what you've said has shocked me or surprised me because I've heard it literally about the artists I work with and I've heard it come and I've heard the opposite <laughs> of all the things you say of what the industry thinks about women and their position and things. And I mean, I've heard one story from an artist that I'm good friends with and they were kicked out of their own dressing room at their own show because someone thought they were a groupie and they'd just come off stage and they were drinking their own rider. Um, and these are some of the things that people tell you in confidence. Um, but she was physically assaulted by the bouncer of the venue, even though she just performed in front of hundreds of people on the main on the stage in the main room. Um, because she seemed like she was someone stealing the band's rider. And like, in what other worlds would that happen to someone when you've just performed? <laughs> it's um so anyway, there's not really a question in that. I was just no. I I just think it's I've obviously worked in the industry for two decades now and it feels like some things are a bit better than they were. Um, but there's still so many things that people are either not aware of, not conscious of. Like, there's no training. There's no, like, I had an interesting conversation to launch this podcast with Naomi Pohl from Musician Genie and she was talking about bringing in um, more support for freelancers because obviously one of the big things with the music industry is most people are freelance or running their own small businesses and there's not the same big organizations as there is for instance in film or tv where it's often hundreds of staff working at companies or working on a project for a period of time um i was just curious kind of looking as you have done from a bird's eye view at everything what do you think are the the first steps or solutions and maybe what are some of the things that you've seen change over the last few years that have given you a bit more hope? Well, I think regarding things that have changed, I mean, I've been working in music for tw for 25 years now and things have changed. So that, you know, it, it is it is more, you know, we've got more female participation in the workforce, certainly in the entry level pos positions. So we know, we know, through uh, the UK Music Diversity Surveys, that that you know really seems to to um, to be happening. Um, so that's giving a different vibe to the to the industry. But you know we really have to make sure that these women don't just stay on those entry level jobs and that they you know they get get promoted up as uh, as well. So that so that's good, you know. And and I guess there is minor amounts of of change regarding festivals and, and 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 so on so the bbc data unit um said that in the you know the five years up to last last year only 13 percent of the headline liners were women but before that it was six percent so you could say that it's doubled you know but still 13 percent still pretty pretty rubbish so we you know we we kind of know now you know people are doing the research so we've got that data where we didn't have that 10 years ago. Right. There was just nothing. 
uh, you know, we had a punch, and that was and that was all. So you know, it's fantastic that all of this um, this focus and all of the um, campaigns and initiatives and and uh, charities which are setting up to look at different areas and ca- and campaign is a real step forward as uh, as well. So I've got I think I've got about seventy listed listed on my F list website. I call them sister organisations. Every time I come across someone doing a really incredible thing, I put them up there. So th- so that's oh. the good news. What are some of the things that haven't changed? Like what's the what are the bigger kind of macro topics where there doesn't seem to be any real shift? Because like 6% and 13% are the sorts of figures that come up all the time. And obviously there's commitments towards 50-50 festival lineups. Whereabouts do you, do you see some hope in some of these things? Because obviously there's just so many. But what are the... Sorry, I realize I'm asking so many. There's so many questions to yeah. ask that I'm kind of asking them all at once. <laughs> um, yeah, what what are the, some of the thing, the bigger things you don't think are being addressed Oh yes, and you and you asked about you know what needs to change to change as well. So yeah, mm. I mean the fact that we're having this conversation is brilliant. Uh, you know, and all of the other press I've done this this year, it seems like the uh, national press is really taking this important, and that you know therefore it it's impacting the reputation of the music industry. So maybe they'll do something about it because they don't want to be called out on, on news night or woman's hour. So, you know, that is hopefully going to force some, some change, which is, which is great. And I feel, you know, I feel sort of part, part of that, that tsunami of change and what else needs to change? Well, I, I mean, the music industry really needs to monitor its own data I've called on, you know, after counting the music industry, I called on every single label, management company, publishing, you know, everyone should know, not just who's in their staff team, but who's on their creative rosters as well. Because I came across dozens of labels who didn't have a single woman signed to them uh, and dozens more who only had one. So, you know, that, that sort of proved that, oh, we've already got a woman on our roster um arg- argument and 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 I think for you know yeah for lots for lots of people that's you know that was a surprise so monitor their data aim to improve it how can they you know how can they be more inclusive what can they do you know you using tools such as such as the F list uh you know working with women in music or- organizations just received a, an, an email now an hour ago from Saffron Records who've had all of their funding cut and um you know they do yeah they're having to sort of try and fundraise because they're I don't know who it who it was but their main industry supporter has pulled out so you know that's just not good enough I know you know I mean I've primarily funded the F list on my own yeah because there's a lack of and I know that all of the other women who are running campaigns and initiatives are pretty much doing the same thing so we, you know, we need much more support to work together, and government legislation needs to change as well. The, you know, the, there needs to be a strengthening and a redefining in certain aspects of the Equality Act, so to cover uh, freelance workers. You know, to specifically cover creative free, free, freelance workers, so that we have the same sorts of protections to protect us from sexual discrimination and and harassment 
that employed people people do because yes the you know the percent the percentages of freelance musicians is absolutely extraordinary and there's just no there's just no protection at all so it uh in legal in legal in legal terms unless it's a crim- criminal act and then you're on a, a whole a whole other different different pathway which uh you know unfortunately also seems to be ignored by uh by our legal system as well on on that note, do you think it's telling that we've not had a dedicated equalities or women's inequalities minister for over a decade? Like Liz trusted it alongside being foreign minister as if it's like some small job. Kemi Badenoch to it alongside her job. It it does seem odd that we've not got someone dedicated to something quite so important to society. Yeah, it's a real it's a real shame, isn't it? You know, I mean, I, I think the you know the conservative government, uh, you know, is. Is very um, unenthusiastic about about equalities, and you know they've taken things out of the Equality Act over the past thir- thirteen years, and all of those things need to be put back in. It's like you know protection uh-huh. protection from harassment from third parties, which in the music industry is like your fans and audiences. You know that just that needs to be put back in. <laughs> uh-huh. You know they stripped they stripped it out. So and you know and we know that they would um, um, you know like to get rid of all all of the human rights legislation. So things like that are really alarming. So I you know yeah. so we really hope that we have a, a change of regime in as soon as possible so that these these things can go higher up the priority list because this is people's lives. You know, I mean, they're talking about creating this Creative Industries Independent Standards Authority, which is basically pri- sort of a private a company um, that the music industry pays for to help monitor be- behaviours. But what we what we really need is proper proper legislation and uh, you know easier pathways for 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 people, not just women, but you know all genders, to be able to to get some sort of um justice for the for the awful experiences that they're that they're going through so on that note like you've been popped up on newsnight and women's hour talking about the comments that emily evis made about there being a pipeline problem in the music industry to what extent do you think issues around harassment as much as issues just around thinking and in lack of investment are impacting that pipeline it feels like there's quite a few different things which i mean do you even agree there's a pipeline problem because all i see is amazing talent and i'm just surprised it doesn't get more opportunities and elevation so just i'm just curious kind of what are the key things you think are impacting that pipeline i'm guessing it's probably a multitude but yeah i mean and in my counting the music industry report i did say it's a pi- it is a pipeline it is the you know the the record labels well, they brand themselves as being the research and development engine of the music industry. You know, that's that's what they're really proud of. Mm. Uh, you know, so they're they're supposed to invest in in talent, and then you you know, out out of that, an artist might get a, a booking agent, and then onto a festival promoter, and you know, and onto a festival stage. So it is it is definitely that that pipeline, but you know. The entire music industry. Well, I heard a phrase yesterday which I just loved. It's, it's, it's not even a network; it's a meshwork. 
So mm. yeah, shout out to the academic who um <laughs> uh, told told me about about that yesterday. Yesterday, you know, we're all connected to get together, and the festivals can create demand. So if the if the agents and the record labels know that audiences at festivals are demanding to see much more diverse lineups, that includes mm. women. Um, then hopefully those record labels will put you know more effort into into signing women, and not you know and not just saying the stupid things like oh we've already got a woman on our roster. Uh-huh. I mean I'm laughing it was just ridiculous. I'm told that so often by women that that's what they're being told. I mean it's just insane. I mean the, the stupidest thing about it is that's public comms from a major corporation. And what they're saying to someone sitting opposite them at at a point of like deciding to make a deal or not, the reason we're choosing not to do a deal with you is not because we don't like the music. It's not because we don't think there's potential of commercial success. It's because we've got a quota and we've already fulfilled it. It's, I don't know. I was so insulted and it's kind of stuck with me as being one of the stupidest things I've ever heard anyone in the industry say. It's like, why bring me in for a meeting then if you've already fulfilled your quota? It's like a waste of everyone's time. So in in terms of how grassroots funding can improve that, but also how, because actually headline is at Glastonbury, like it becomes a big talking point because one of the few focal points in the calendar of the year of a major televised um, live performance, media talks about who's headlining. It's quite a big thing there's obviously not very many focal points like that so this isn't really about the pipeline in the grassroots this is about artists at the very top of the scale where that requires them to be a major label priority for kind of three or four years or a industry priority for a decade um because very few of the artists that gets that level of headlining a festival does that come from them getting paid more than their van hire to, to open a festival it comes from kind of the entire ecosystem, the industry, being able to turn artists into crossover successes. So whereabouts in amongst all of this is the money either not not coming in or not being understood that it's value and importance? Because I think the grassroots, I can definitely see there's huge issues and obviously venues closing and all the other things that are impacting kind of right at the grassroots. As a manager, there's no real like pots of money from different parts of the industry you can you can dip into the artists can but as the person that works with them it's very difficult to to kind of find that support so it there's no there's no incentive to work with women over men in that in that um scenario if you were being lazy and you were only incentivized by the money rather than the potential of working with someone who's incredible whereabouts would you say like the bigger kind of pain points are in the most kind of investments required? Well, I I think for for female musicians, it's it's that time in their in their early to mid twenties. Uh, you know, it's that they might just have finished their their degree and they're kind of wondering, you know, so it where I've seen the biggest drop in participation is that age. And um that's why I got looking at university data because I kind of wanted to under to understand. You know, when when I was told that, oh well, you know, women and 
and girls don't participate in music education as much as boys and young men, I I thought, oh, is that true? Is that true? So I got, uh-huh. or, you know, the huge amount of data from the Higher Education Statistics Authority and NGA and, and, and analyzed five years of data and 44%, and it's going up slowly every year, but 44% of students, 125,000 students, this is a big data set up uh-huh. to 2018, were women. So yeah, slightly less than than men. Actually, for music performance, it uh, it's even higher higher than that. I think it's forty six percent. So nearly half half. And yet, the Office of National Statistics data shows that only a quarter of working uh, professional musicians whose income is mainly derived from music quarter are are men, and only twenty percent of signed artists uh, or sorry are women. Uh-huh. Um, so there's that drop from, you know, well, 46% of music performance students down to 20% of signed artists. That's a massive drop. And that yeah. happens in their 20s. So there's, th- there's things going on there, which is what I'm really trying to, you know, establish in, in my PhD research. And you, you work with ISM, so I'm assuming with across some of that, you can see the data around classical music, because I'm assuming... If there's that many people studying performance and music, a lot of them are going to go into orchestras and various paid jobs there. Like, is is the same is the same kind of drop off? Is it like the numbers of people in orchestras predominantly male, or is is that also one of the issues there? It it well, it's changing. In the 1970s, uh, in in UK orchestras, it was about five percent women in the 1970s and now it's up to like 40% something so it's you know that is a sector which has seen a massive change influx of of women and unfortunately paid orchestral positions are becoming rarer and rarer and we've just had notice that uh, you know their funding is being cut so hundreds hundreds more musicians are going to be um made made redundant which is an absolute tragedy yeah, all all of the arts council cuts are just uh, are just being really devastating. So you know, women tend to be encouraged or pushed into music teaching. So music teaching, music therapy are are the sort of two areas where women predom- predominate in in music. And whether you know whether they're doing that because there's stereotypes around you know women being caring and nurturing and and so on or whether you, you know women are making choices because they want jobs which will give them maternity cover maybe 10 years down the line when they're thinking about about that you know it's those those sorts of um yeah career decisions I'm really sort of um exp- exploring when I'm talking talking to women in my in my interviews uh, having having a precarious um life as a freelance musician it, you know and it's more precarious for women because women are not paid enough uh to survive to survive so you know it's these sorts of fact factors so yeah and if you can't get signed and you can't get invested in you can't get support in your 20s that's it you go off and do something else and I, i'm just curious when you're looking at this data are fewer artists being signed now than ever before that feels like I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot more music being released than ever before, um, but I'm not sure if as many artists are being signed. Is that something you've noticed in the data at all? Um, well, I've not 
I've not I've not looked at numbers in that way, but I am aware that it, you know around what the peak the peak of the recorded uh, music industry turnover was about the year two thousand, wasn't it? It was yeah. worth, the industry was worth internationally about thirty billion dollars, and then within five years that had halved because of piracy. So right. I, you know I sort of lived through all that, and you were you know start starting to work uh, work in music at just that point. So I I was aware, I was aware that you know everyone was battening up the hatches and you know and um and not and not signing and not investing in anywhere near as many artists. But however, it, the fact remains that eighty percent of the artists that they are investing in are men. So wow. it uh, yeah it seems to you know whether you know that was uh, that was always the case or, or not I don't I don't know because nobody had done that sort of analysis um, you know in twenty years ago and with with different parts because obviously you look at both musicians and people working in the industry are there any parts of the industry which are far more dominated by women like for instance music supervision I feel like is a role that. I'm not sure if I'm right, but it feels like there's a lot more women working in, like, I worked at Six Music, it's very, like, there's a lot more women working there than than in other parts of the industry that I've been in. I don't know whether Six Music is is a good example of all radio stations. Um, is, are, there, are there any sectors where you feel like there is, um, like, PR, I guess, is one of the industries yeah. where it feels dominated by women, almost? Like there yeah. aren't many. It's it's the PR girl like becomes one of those roles in the industry where, I mean, there's def different PR people I've known over the years. Obviously, having dealt with lots of them, like I was talking to someone the other day, and she's now the music supervisor of Bridgerton in the Crown, and that's quite a far cry from poking CDRs in my hand and asking me if we could cry about stuff. And so there's definitely a bit of a pipeline, but I'm sure there's not as much. Um, and yeah. So which bits right. of the industry do you feel like a kind of buck the trend of the kind of small percentages well we it, it's the manifestation that we see in every single area of employment and it's segregation by sex in for job roles so we see this all all over men are encouraged into into roles which are technology based um, you know the hard, the hard subjects of of maths and 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 so on, and those those roles, the leadership roles, those those roles have higher status and better pay, and women are encouraged into uh, career pathways which are don't have as much status. I mean, you've just said the PR girl, the well, PR girl. No, I did, and not, I did that with. Yeah. I did quote marks, which wouldn't have come yeah. across on the press re <laughs> on the podcast. Yeah. The uh, you know it's the A and R guy right. who will be who will be fast tracked up to CEO level, poss possibly, and the PR girl who who absolutely will not. Yep. So you know the 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 teaching the 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 marketing these 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 sorts of roles are are rarely um, and in corporate you know in corp corporate terms, you know they 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 rarely become you know c-suite um level level uh, pathways so i think so there's real problems there in that the roles that men do are much more highly regarded and valued than the roles that that women do so 
yes, we've got to, you know, we've got to be aware of that and call and call it out and, you know, question, well, why are, you know, uh, HR, for instance, you know, is very uh, female, female dominated, but often around boardrooms, the director of HR won't be around the boardroom because it's yeah. considered less lesser than than the director of finance or technology. So, you know, we see we see our behaviors and pat- pattern patterns like that. So that's why we really have to ensure that women are enc- encouraged to go into whatever pathway they want to because otherwise we're restricting the uh, the options that uh, you know the choices that they they can make. Mm. Um, so there's, I think we've covered a lot of the problems. Um, so let's talk about a bit more about around the solutions. If you had unlimited budget, time and resource, what initiatives would you upscale or launch? Well, I'd make, yeah, big, I'd make massive imp- improvements to my FNS directory, which I just keep, you know, running, uh, ticking along on a, on a shoestring. And there's loads of improvements I'd like to do to, to, to the, to the website in terms of search functionality and making it you know much easier um uh and quicker and quicker for festival promoters and and, and whoever to 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 use and you know b- because there's 6000 women in there now so you know there needs to be better filter filtering so I'd love I'd love more of that then there's loads of different um schemes we want to do some career we want to do a career development program for f- female mus- musicians and um you know I've tried to get get funding from various places and haven't been successful yet so i could uh could do with some money to run to run that and then you know all of the all of the other um women in music initi- initiatives who are really really struggling you know to do to do stu- studio projects to do record labels to do you know uh fe- festive festivals which you know um prioritize fem- female gender expensive talent so there's i could spend that money so quick you would have no yeah. no, problem. <laughs> no problem give me a million pounds uh right now and you know i could i could do a lot without i could really help transform the um the industry if i was given an unlimited budget <laughs> <laughs> um and like one of the things i was thinking about was around the behavioral science around a lot of these men with their kind of heads in the sand like the kinds of like there was a comment i think it was the guy that books isle of white the other the other year made just like this really like felt like a comment from the 70s about the, the kind of the, the lack of gender kind of parity on the lineup um and I, I just wonder whether there's like is there something with the kind of the way in which the industry is is set up that it doesn't understand like you said, those kind of criticisms. Is there is there something that needs to 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 change philosophically in the industry? Do you think, like around like, is there enough data around how much money women make for the industry? Um, is there enough data around like, I mean, it's pretty obvious when Adele is probably like making and Taylor Swift and like the, in terms of capitalism, it feels like the argument's being made quite definitively. Um, is there something that needs to change in the kind of mindset of of men in the industry, especially? Well, I think it's just uh, you know, and it goes out to wider the wider society as well. You know, a lot of men who've had a lot of privilege do not 
do not realize that we still live in a patriarchal society. Uh, you know, and I'm, I've often been told, what are you complaining about? You have equality. You've had the vote for 100 years. You know, we don't need feminism anymore because it's here. And they seem resistant to, to you know, to the, act- the actual statistics and the fact that we still have problems. So, I, you know, am I going to be able to change the hearts and minds of people like that? Probably not. So I think they're just going to have to go, aren't they? They're just going to have to retire, retire to their golf courses. And, um, you know, let uh, let new new talent, let all of these women who've sort of flooded into the in- industry, you know, rise rise up and then we'll then we'll see some change. It's, it's like that quote, when you've been used to privilege, equality feels like oppression. Um, and I and I in one of these questions, I, I kind of half wrote about whether the 50 50 pledge has antagonized some men in the industry because it's kind of pointed out a shortcoming in their kind of thinking and. You hear things like Tucker Carlson railing against great replacement theory as if like men are being kind of kicked out of society when actually all anyone's asking for is a bit more balance in the world. Um, I, I'm just kind of like you, some of the things that you do around diversity and inclusion, like what what can more men in the industry be doing um, on an everyday level that's going to improve right from the very basics to the right to the very top? What are some of the things that you would suggest? Well, I have to. I do have to say that there are incredible male allies out there. So another another thing which is emerging from my interviews, in fact, is that for for most women, they have had or experienced a male ally being a mentor, a sponsor, or just even just one important com- conversation, and and that's really heartening and I've experienced that I've definitely experienced that in my in my career because you know if you're in it well if you're in 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 an industry or a sector which is majoritively men um you know who's going to be around to 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 help so there are enlightened guys out there and you know big big uh hurrah for 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 all of them but we need more (laughs) we definitely we definitely need need more so I just think uh listening being aware of the aware of the data, championing the you know the women around you. If you have a position of authority, you you know and power, use that for for good. If you run a music a music company, work with a a, a woman in music initiative and campaign and support what they're doing. Sign more women, oh. invest in more women, book more women, promote more women. So there's loads, loads that uh, men in, in the music industry can be doing. I think the most basic one that, that someone suggested to me about 15 years ago or so was whenever I'm on a conference, I now ask to be the only male on the panel. Um, and and it really throws people. I said, look, you're not paying me often to be on this. It's like there are plenty of amazing women that can talk on this topic. And if you can't find three women to talk about marketing and music or like just just book someone else um and it's been quite interesting like and i've actually been told oh we couldn't find anyone and i was like okay well i won't be on the panel then (laughs) like and and it's things like i think before the f list i think i saw like a database of women in the industry that you can book for your conference um and i think those are the kinds of initiatives which um like just stepping aside like amplifying 
what different organizations are doing like it's there's there's really simple things i think that's um i don't know like i i, I think i'm in a very different position of looking at the way the industry is like i've been spoiled i've worked with some of the best women in the industry and i can't understand the the ideology that's that exists um i think i've taken up loads of your time and i think we've talked about tons and tons of things i could probably talk to you for another two hours um is there anything else that you think people should go look up after this conversation um obviously they can go to the f list and some yeah. of the work you're doing with with ism which we've not really touched on actually i don't know if you want to talk a little bit about what you do there yeah well it's the, the ism independent society of musicians an incredible organization which has been so welcoming to, to me and is unusual because over half of its mem membership uh, are women and has an all-female lead leadership team so we do wider campaigning on behalf of musicians you know we sort of do work around education and brexit and uh, royalty, royalty income, and, and and so on, as well as well. Last year, I worked worked with um, one of the researchers on on the team, Dr. Catherine Williams, and we produced a second um, report, "Dignity at Work," looking at discrimination and harassment in in the music industry. So, yeah, I do tons tons of stuff with with, with them. It's a great honor, but uh, yeah, to to en so encourage people to look at that website, especially if they're a musician. Uh, and join and join, you know, very reasonably priced to get really good legal support and advice and and what have you. And also, all of the female and gender expensive musicians who are listening in to please create a free listing on the Effless Music directory, and then you sort of tap tap into everything we have to have to offer there as well. Well, thank you for your time, and I look forward to inviting you back as Dr. Vic Bain when you've PhDs published to talk about your research. There's a lot to process in that episode. Um, I'm really grateful to Vic for taking the time to chat. It felt like I learned a few things that I really wasn't aware of, and I hope you did too. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider uh, dropping it in a WhatsApp chat with your friend or DMing it to someone on Twitter that you think might be interested. We find that these episodes are spreading to people in interesting ways and I've had some really lovely feedback so far so thank you so much for all of that. I'm definitely going to carry on this conversation I've got some people in mind to speak to so I'd be really curious if, if there's any guests you you think would be interesting to talk on the topic of not just misogyny in the music industry and me too but people really working on solutions that are improving things and also where are the men in these conversations? I've got someone lined up who's been doing some interesting research. There's obviously a lot more happening in the industry right now to try and make everything more inclusive but yeah that's be the change we want to see thank you for listening speak to you soon <laughs>